chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you, and other all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. May God's word return as he requires. Thank you, Tim. It's great to be back with you today. I am convinced that all of Scripture is relevant. It's practical. It is, in fact, necessary for helping us live all of life for the glory of our redeeming God. Uh, the Apostle Paul says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable or advantageous for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. I want you to know this morning that you will never make it in this world as a follower of Christ without the Holy Spirit teaching you from the Bible. We can, though, with confidence, open the Bible and expect to find help for the problems of life. That is particularly true when it comes to being persecuted as Christians, as our culture becomes increasingly secularized, Christians, I believe, are being harassed more and more. For decades now in this country, many people have been very aggressive in attempting to drive Jesus Christ out of the public square. We are told you can do just about anything in the public school or in the city council except pray or speak the name of Jesus. Even in our little sleepy village here in Merton, there is pressure to pray generically, whatever that means, but not pray in the name of Jesus. Today, if you stand up for the life of an unborn child in its mother's womb, you will face all sorts of scorn. Today, there seems to be more and more people who hate righteousness. If you call homosexuality a sin and call people to repentance, 
many people today will accuse you of committing a hate crime. If you say marriage is between one man and one woman, many people will accuse you of not being loving. You, you will face vitriol if you don't endorse someone's desire to change their agenda, their, to change their gender. Uh, in fact, much of our government today applies tons of pressure on you to embrace all manner of unrighteousness. But, but also, if you say publicly that Jesus is the only way to the one true God, you will most likely face all sorts of opposition. People will attempt to silence you, marginalize you, if not imprison you. It's interesting, but I think that for many years in just my lifetime, whenever we would talk about persecution that Christians faced, we would often reference many other uh, countries around the globe where Christians were being severely persecuted, and that's still going on. But I'm convinced persecution of Christians is happening more and more in our country here in recent times. Um, you must be prepared for persecution. And our sermon text for today helps us to do just that. Jesus teaches us in Matthew chapter 5, verse 10 through 12, how to prepare for persecution. Uh, Jesus teaches us how to think about persecution. Uh, Jesus says this, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. I think we learn a number of very important things here, but first of all, pay attention. If, if you want to be prepared to live for Christ in a world that hates Christ, first learn that there is a cost for following Jesus. Here Jesus tells us that the blessed ones are persecuted. You have to be prepared for that. If you are persecuted, you're, you're being chased. Uh, you're pursued, not because someone would like to enjoy a cup of coffee with you, but because they're opposed to you and they would want to do harm to you. The Greek word for persecuted here has the idea of driving someone away. You, you want to drive them out of town. When Jesus was persecuted in his hometown of Nazareth, people drove him out of the town and attempted to throw him off a cliff. Uh, Shelley and I visited Nazareth. We saw the place where they think that might have taken place. If you are persecuted for following Christ, you're, you're being harassed. People want to make life difficult for you because of what you believe and how you live. They would love to make it so difficult that you would change and give up what you believe. This, interestingly enough, is our final beatitude, but it's the only 
beatitude that is repeated twice. Blessed are you for being persecuted for righteousness, and blessed are you for being persecuted for Jesus Christ. So if this is true in your life, then you will be willing to live according to God's will for your life, no matter what the cost. Your, your identity is so wrapped up in the person of Jesus Christ and what He wants from you that no matter what the cost, you're willing to do it. But notice that you're not blessed if you're persecuted for being a fool. <laughs> Uh, you're, you're not blessed if it is your sin that is offensive, or if you are rude or sinfully angry or filled with uh, self-righteousness or judgmentalism. First, Peter teaches us that God is not pleased if we suffer for wrongdoing. Instead, Jesus here says, the blessed one will be persecuted for righteousness' sake. Uh, the Theological Dictionary of the New Testament defines righteousness like this as it's, a, it's right conduct that accords with God's will and is pleasing to Him. So it, it refers to doing God's revealed will. Um, because Jesus is the righteous one following the life and teaching of Jesus is how you will conform to righteousness. If you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you will be determined to live as Jesus lived with the help of the Holy Spirit. Like so often today we hear things like you need to be true to yourself. You, you need to follow your own heart. You need to follow your truth. And you know, you know that is really just a bunch of hogwash. Peter uh, Paul said it best, he said, follow me as I follow Christ. We, we must look to Jesus. We must follow the teaching and the example of Jesus. We must be a student of the Bible and work hard to bring our faith and practice into alignment with Scripture. Our own hearts will deceive us. Scripture will never deceive us. And what Jesus tells us here is that if you are committed to living a righteous life, you must be prepared for the possibility of being persecuted. You, you may be harassed for following Jesus. But, but why is that? You, you would think that if you want to do what is right in God's eyes, that is a good thing. And it should be viewed as acceptable and good. So why must we be prepared to be mistreated and harassed for living a righteous life? Well, James Montgomery Boyce, I think, gives a good explanation, and I quote, When Jesus came into the world in His righteousness, He exposed the evil of the world, and men hated Him for that. Before he came into the world, men could get away with hypocrisy, lying, dishonest, dishonesty, selfishness, greed, and a long list of other vices. They could excuse themselves by pointing out that other men were like themselves and that they were better in some of these respects than others. After Jesus came, all these vices were revealed for what they were, just as the filth of a sewer 
is revealed by thrusting a strong light into one of its openings. Men hated the exposure of their inner hearts and natures, and they killed Christ for exposing them. Jesus teaches us that the world hates the light and refuses to come into the light. And when you are committed to humbly following Jesus Christ, and and when you are committed to living a righteous life, it exposes the darkness in the lives of people in the world. When you don't laugh at a dirty joke around the water cooler, it exposes the hearts of sinners. And often they don't like it, and they they want to seek ways to belittle you. When you refuse to tell a quote-unquote little white lie, it reveals the willingness of other people to lie. And they often get perturbed with you because of that. Many years ago, um, a couple asked me to marry them, but they were living together outside of marriage. And when I said, I'm willing to invest lots of time to help you follow Christ, but God would want you to start right now by repenting of your sexual immorality, they, they were not happy with me. And to this day, my relationship with them is very strained. Often there is a cost for following Christ, for following righteousness. Notice how verse 10 says, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness. But then verse 11 makes it even more personal. Jesus says, blessed are you. Not just blessed are those, but blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. (laughs) Are you prepared for that? People will revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely because of Jesus. Verse 11 clarifies verse 10. We're blessed if we are persecuted persecuted for righteousness, which means we are persecuted because our lives are aligned with the teaching and the example of Jesus Christ. We're persecuted because we follow Jesus. We're we're not blessed for being persecuted for a social cause. We're we're talking about being, um, excuse me, we're not talking about being persecuted for joining some political party. We're not talking about being harassed for wearing a MAGA hat. Maybe there were some good policies that came out of Make America Great Again agenda, but MAGA is not filled with righteousness. It does not define righteousness. Jesus does. We're not blessed by God because we're persecuted for standing up for our constitutional rights. I'm convinced by Scripture that a Christian's default position ought to be to submit to governing authorities, even if they're unjust. That's the example Jesus 
commands us to follow. 1 Peter 2 teaches us that. And certainly, we do engage in civil disobedience when we would be expected by governing authorities to disobey God. But if we follow the example of Jesus, we will endure unjust rulers by entrusting our lives to the hands of our Heavenly Father. And over the past couple of years, we have been somewhat harassed for following the example of Jesus found in 1 Peter 2. But but here is something very helpful. In verse 11, Jesus speaks directly to you. You are blessed when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on account of me. Uh, Jesus has experienced persecution to a greater degree than any of us ever will. He understands. He, he is ready to help. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 14-18, through 18, we learn the Lord Himself stood with Paul when he was persecuted. Listen as I read. <clears throat> Paul says, Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Beware of him yourself, for he strongly opposed our message. At my first defense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it not be charged against them. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into His heavenly kingdom. To Him be glory forever and ever. Amen. I I love that. You, you better believe that when you're willing to follow Jesus, no matter what the cost, Jesus sees that. Jesus cares about that. Jesus cares about you. And He will defend you. He will sustain you. He will give you strength to carry on, to endure. Paul didn't have a pity party. Paul didn't feel sorry for himself. Paul didn't quit when it got hard to follow Jesus. But instead... In his weakness, the sustaining power and presence of Jesus carried him through. And it wasn't just Paul. Many before you have paid a cost for following Jesus. The end of verse 12 says, For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now, a quick review of the Old Testament. We learn and we remember how Noah was a righteous man who was harassed while building the ark and calling people to repentance. Moses, uh, we're told by faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. Saul relentlessly pursued David and even attempted to pin him to the wall by throwing his spear at him. Jeremiah spoke for God but was rejected, beaten, and put in stocks. 
faced a death sentence. His scroll was burned. He was left to die in a deep, dark cistern filled with mud. He was called a liar and many other things as well. Three young Jewish boys were threatened with the fiery furnace if they didn't bow down to the golden idol of Nebuchadnezzar. Listen to their reply. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it, and he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. I, I love that example of these three young teenage Jewish boys. When you read the Psalms, you see that the Psalms again and again speak of the suffering of the righteous. Uh, added to all of that, the Hall of Faith, Hebrews chapter 11, ends after mentioning a bunch of people by name. Then it, then it goes on to say, and what more shall we say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, of Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David, of Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to fight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with a sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. It's Hebrews 11. That's just a quick, brief sketch of the Old Testament. And the New Testament, most importantly and most significantly, the New Testament reveals how Jesus was hated. Jesus was rejected. He was persecuted. He was harassed. He was falsely accused and ultimately crucified. Jesus came to His own people, but His own did not receive Him. The Jews wanted to stone Jesus. They wanted, him, wanted to throw Him off of a cliff in His hometown. They spoke all manner of evil against Him. They accused Him of blasphemy. They wanted to trap Him in His words and prove Him wrong. The, the most influential religious leaders of the day plotted to get rid of Jesus. He was falsely accused and condemned as a criminal. He was flogged and mocked and ultimately was crucified on a cruel Roman cross. Jesus was God's anointed one who came to reveal God the Father in all of His glory. And He came as the way, the truth, the life. He came to provide the way back to God and His own people killed Him. Many times, Jesus warned His disciples that they would be persecuted. 
In John 15.8, Jesus said, If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. And the good news is that Jesus is now alive to help. He, he understands what it is to be like to, to be harassed and to be persecuted, and He will help you. And that is what His disciples experienced after Jesus ascended to His Father's right hand. They, they experienced persecution and they experienced the help from Jesus. In fact, the apostles were beaten, threatened, imprisoned, harassed again and again. Yet in Acts 5.41, they were rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. Stephen was stoned for preaching the truth, yet as he was dying, his eyes were fixed on Jesus. And he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Do not hold this sin against them. Paul was flogged, threatened, falsely accused, imprisoned, pursued by many who harassed him repeatedly. And yet, Paul's desire was that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Paul told young Tim, timid Timothy and 2 Timothy 3.12, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And in chapters 1, verse 7 and 8, Paul says, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and of self-control. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Jesus kept Paul faithful to the end, but Paul also pressed on because he knew there was a reward for following Jesus. Paul closed out his letter to Timothy by saying this in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6 and 8, for I'm already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight, and I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who loved his appearing. So there is a reward for following Jesus. Uh, we, we see that in at least four ways in this eighth and final beatitude. The first thing we see is that you are a blessed one. If, if you are persecuted for righteousness and on account of Jesus, you are a blessed one. And earlier in this series on the beatitudes, we learned that if you're a blessed one, you've received favor from God. You've received an undeserved gift from God, and, and that is what makes you happy. He lavished His grace upon you. So remember, you are, you are blessed by God if you're persecuted for righteousness on account of Jesus. Secondly, Jesus says that if you are persecuted for righteousness, you belong to the kingdom of heaven. Your citizenship is in the kingdom of heaven. You belong to the righteous king. 
You live your life in this broken and sinful world, a world that's being and will ultimately be restored, but as we wait for Jesus to come again, we live today under the sweet authority of Jesus. You are not abandoned. He is with you by His Holy Spirit. You are set free from the dominion of darkness and placed into the kingdom of light. You live under the care and the protection of the Good Shepherd. You are part of a kingdom that will never fail. The kingdom of heaven will never end. It will never ever be overthrown. Think about this. You live in this world safe and secure in the hands of your righteous King who has authority over all. He will keep you believing to the end. And He will take you to be with Him on that new heaven and that new earth forever. If you follow Christ, no matter what the cost, you belong to the kingdom of heaven and your reward is great in heaven. That's what Jesus says in verse 12. Your reward is great in heaven. What is that reward? I think the reward will be Jesus Himself. Um, we will live with Jesus forever. I really can't think of anything that would be more rewarding than that. And for this reason, for this reason, when you think about being harassed for following Christ, when you think about being driven away from the public square because of righteousness, when you think about being marginalized and made fun of for following Christ, when you think about the cost that you have to pay for being persecuted as a follower of Jesus, remember that you have reason to rejoice and be glad. That's how we should really think about being persecuted. We're blessed. Our reward is great in heaven. We wait for that day, and in the meantime, we have every reason to rejoice and be glad. There's no room for self-pity. There's no room to, to, to feel sorry for ourselves. There's great joy in being so committed to the person of Christ and bringing our life into alignment with His revealed will for our lives that no matter what the cost, we're willing to do it. Really, the, the question that we all have to ask when we see what Jesus prepares us for and when He reminds us of the reward that we will experience for enduring persecution in this lifetime, there, there is a great reward. The, the, the question that we have to wrestle with is will you follow Jesus no matter what the cost? Are you hungry and thirsty for righteousness? Do you want to know Christ? Not just the power of His resurrection, but even sharing in His sufferings, identifying with Him in His death, where you die to self. And what matters more to you than anything else is that your life, is what you believe and how you live, is in alignment with what Jesus teaches is the righteous life. A life that conforms to the will of God and is pleasing to Him. That ought to matter more to you than anything else. Will you follow Jesus 
no matter what the cost. Let's pray together. Father, so often we, I confess, I am like Peter that boldly asserts, though I, though I face death, I will not deny you. I will never deny you. And then quickly goes out and denies even knowing Jesus three times. In our own flesh, we are frail. In our own flesh, we can be timid, powerless. In our own flesh, we, we can be prone to protect self and to not lay down our lives for Jesus. But Father, we're thankful for the life that you've given to us in Jesus, how you rescued us from the snare of the evil, and we're thankful for the Holy Spirit that you poured out into our lives so that in our weakness you have become our strength. So we need not be ashamed, we need not be timid, we need not be anxious or afraid because you have given us power and self-control to carry out your will no matter what the cost. Father, I pray that we would be a people, that this church would be a, a church that does not suffer for being fools, for, for being foolish, for our own sin, our own self-righteousness and judgmentalism. But Father, I pray that we would be a people committed to living lives filled with integrity before you, fill, living lives that are filled with conformity to your revealed will. And I pray that we'll do that humbly. I pray that we would do that in ways that your name is honored. Father, That's you've created us. You have redeemed us so that we would be a people who have hearts that beat after you, that long to see your name honored and glorified. Help us to live in a way that would be um, in, in obedience to Jesus so that you are honored and give us a, a willingness to endure even harassment that may come our way. Give us moral clarity. Help us to discern what you have called us to and give us a willingness to embrace that and obey that, and live that out. Father, help us to endure when times get tough. And give us courage. And give us Your strength. And we pray that we can live in ways that will bring honor and glory to Your name alone. Help us. Help us, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen.